0: Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev. On today's cast, we have our wonderful guest, Jeff Delaney. You might know him from Fireship.io or Angular Firebase before that. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody?
0: So happy you could uh, make it on the show. I know it's uh, hard to find time in your busy schedule, so really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I, I think the first thing I noticed was uh, this Kaggle thing. Is that is that kind of your uh, start into, into fame of programming?
1: Um, I, I wouldn't say that's my start. I've been doing this for about probably about 10 years now professionally. Um, Kaggle is kind of like a marketplace for machine learning. So like companies will crowdsource machine learning problems just to the community on Kaggle. And people will go there to compete usually for like a lot of money like 100000 dollars plus for competition and try to implement the best machine learning solution. Um so I got into that for a while and sort of I wouldn't say like I'm a great at machine learning but I participated in that quite a bit and uh that's kind of what that's all about I guess.
0: Is that something that you're still like actively participating in or is that kind of coming and gone? At
1: this point it's at this point it's kind of coming and gone. I don't really have time yeah. to do it. Now it takes, if you really get into a competition, it will take up like literally all of your time because you'll <laughs> be wanting to, you can only do a few submissions a day. So you'll like do a few one day and then you'll have to come back and do more the next day.
0: Yeah, that's if interesting. You're,
1: if you're really into it, it takes up a ton of time.
0: I've been wanting to do uh, AWS's, um, oh, it's a little car called, I can't remember right now. Um, it's a machine learning, but it, you basically like end up driving models for this car around. So it's definitely yeah. a cool industry to get into.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff out there. It's it's not as glamorous when you get into it. Like a lot of people want to like tune these neural networks and yeah. you know, create self driving cars and stuff, but it it turns out it's mostly like data collection and it's really tedious and really hard to clean this data like going through you can imagine going through an Excel spreadsheet and like taking out every bad data point. Um it's really <laughs> not very fun to do like on a large scale problem.
0: Yeah, it sounds a little mind numbing. Right. uh, Front end, you get that immediate reaction.
1: Yeah, like I've mostly been a front end developer, or you could say a full stack developer. Um, So I get a lot more, I think, satisfaction out of out of that overall. Because in those cases, you're actually building something. You have a spec. You can kind of follow and build, you know, some kind of real world product.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, Machine learning, you might be spending months on a single problem, and then like realize your data is not good enough, (laughs) or your whatever, it's just not going to work. Yeah, um, so you have to be able to face that if you're doing it machine learning.
0: That's probably not something I'm super pumped to get into, uh, as far as the tedious part of it. But it's definitely something interesting. So, yeah, I'm sure. Other other people out there would love to get into it too. Um, especially from like, Firebase has its whole uh, like TensorFlow piece behind the hood and and stuff like that. So that's cool. Right. Yeah.
1: When I got um, into it, there weren't like machine learning APIs. It was it was just. Uh, you know, you'd have to roll out your own stuff in Python, but now there's a lot of good APIs that solve the most common problems, which
0: is nice. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I, I know like on your GitHub, I think you I think you still have the, the code. I'm going to totally botch the name on this. Is it code diode? <coughs> diode? Diode? Di-
1: diode, like a... Diode. diode. Is.
0: So is that kind of what got you started into tutorials because of that or...?
1: Yeah, I guess that was like, you could call that like kind of a failed project. I was mostly doing consulting at that time, and I wanted to take some of what I was doing with consulting and create tutorials or sort of like, you know, similar to what I'm doing now, actually, just really short and focused tutorials on things that I found useful. Um, yeah,
0: so was that was that kind of what launched you into Angular Firebase? Did that come before it, and then it kind of morphed into that side of it?
1: Yeah, that, that came before it. and. I just sort of abandoned that project once I decided to focus on Angular and Firebase, because that's what I was doing for a client at the time. Uh, So it made a lot more sense to just rebrand it into something, you know, very niche and very focused. Uh, So
0: I, I think in the past you've said that like it was a, maybe a happy accident that, you know, you started learning Angular or you, you knew Angular and you started kind of putting the pieces together between Angular and Firebase and, You, like, started a a few tutorials and the videos and things like that. Can you talk, like, what that beginning of Angular Firebase looked like?
1: Yeah, so I've always been, like, like I started doing professional development with Ruby on Rails. That's how I got my, like, first, well, before that, doing, like, PHP for a company, but on my own doing Ruby on Rails consulting for other companies. And uh, I've always been kind of, like, anti, not, I won't say anti, but I've been, like, not very fond of strong typing and like very verbose code and stuff like that. And so I had a client that wanted to use Angular, which required TypeScript and wasn't super excited about that. But once I actually got into it and saw the value that TypeScript brings to a project, especially as a project gets bigger and more complex, um, I really started to like it and really embraced it after that. Um, And then at the same time, I saw a lot of potential to create content around it because there really wasn't very much out there and, it worked really well with Firebase and combining the two was like a whole new platform in my eyes for building full-stack apps with minimal effort.
0: Yeah, I, I think in the early goings, like what led me to your site was there just wasn't enough documentation kind of hooking the two together. And um, correct me on this, you might you might remember, but the, the actual GitHub repo for, I think it was at that time, Angular Firebase 2, um, the kind of side project within Firebase, building that out. Um, was yeah. just kind of starting along.
1: Yeah, so they they had Angular Fire 2, which is still it's still in the same repo. It's just called Angular Fire now, but it's yep. an officially maintained project. Guys on the Firebase team were actually maintaining it. Um but yeah, they they had that project going and then like like maybe a few months after I started Angularfirebase.com and created a bunch of content around it, they just completely changed the API like hundred percent like breaking <laughs> changes across the board. So I had to yeah. basically all the content I made for the first six months became obsolete within, you know, within a few days <laughs> was disappointing, but that's like, if you get into making content in tech, like that's going to happen on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, it's for sure. Hard to keep up with all the changes, especially in like front end web development every single time they update stuff, just trying to keep those tutorials flowing. So. Yeah, for sure. It's like
1: even if it's not a breaking change, like say it's React hooks or something. Like nobody wants to learn about old, like non-functional components in React now. So you kind of have to like update everything to use whatever is cool at the moment.
0: So uh, I guess, yeah, on the same chain of thought, uh, full disclosure, like I I think I became a um, pro member or lifetime member, lifetime pro member, whatever that is. I appreciate that. uh, I don't know, a few years ago, maybe it's been three years. So um, Jeff was actually the reason that I started doing everything I'm doing now as far as tutorials and uh, the podcasts, uh, YouTube, so. It was super exciting to kind of, kind of follow along your journey. And you're, I, I think when I was in uh, early days, maybe you are at 50K and, uh, subscribers on YouTube. And I think I just checked, you're almost to 275,000 um, as of this recording. So uh, props to you. I mean, it's, it's definitely yeah. a it's a hard work after you start making a little bit of content Uh, you have to keep up regular basis. So you've done a fantastic job with the platform.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's especially doing YouTube. It's very momentum based. So you have to, you know, if you really want to do audit, you have to keep a consistent schedule going and try to like kind of make every video better than the last one.
0: So I think you have kind of a a different style. Um, What, what do you think makes your tutorials like, easy to to digest. And why, why do people like kind of glom onto that so easily?
1: Well, I think like some people love my style. Some people love my style, but some people hate it Um, (laughs) because it, it tends to be too fast. Like it's, if you plan to like sit there and code along with my videos, it's, it's not going to go very well. Um, What I try to do is take something that could be a long format and like condense it down to the bare minimum of what you actually need. Um, So you can get something Yeah, through something very quickly without, like, you know, sitting there listening to a bunch of unnecessary stuff that you don't want to hear.
0: Yeah, for me, even going through, like, full-blown tutorials, I'm often listening at, like, 1.25 or 1.5 times speed just to kind of, like, go through it, and yours is, like, it's perfectly paced, and if I ever need to get back to anything, I just uh, either open up the tutorial page or um, jump into the GitHub repo, and, you know, right there's all the answers, so I kind of feel like your your video is kind of like the piece. It's like the trailer to the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what this is about, and I can nice, keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, so
1: I started like just at a normal pace, and then I it kept speeding up, and then I think I eventually got too fast. And now I've sort of like, I feel like I've settled into what I think is the right pace.
0: Yeah, I think it works, and uh, I think other people are pulling you in now. I, I don't know if it's top secret, but Norwal's got your voice behind their videos, so props yeah, yeah. for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cross is actually, he lives very close to me in Arizona here. So we okay. uh, hang out on occasion. Very cool. Yeah.
0: So at, at this point, um, I know it seems like you love doing the content piece to it. Are you liking uh, kind of the coding more or videos more? Is it just the whole process? What's that like for you?
1: Um, I definitely like the creative process of making videos, but I feel like to really add value to the developer community. Like I need to be building something real world as well. Like I need something practical to be working on to, to really know what to even make content about. Um, previously I was doing that mostly through consulting and I still do like kind of lightweight consulting through Fireship, but I am working on a few side projects, like a component library for Firebase and stuff like that, and trying to really find the best way to build these things and then you know, I kind of take what I learned from that and turn that into video content.
0: Cool. So for the most part, it sounds like you're able to run with Fireship and tutorials and YouTube. Um, I know YouTube is not a ton of monetary piece, but um, you're you're at least making enough where you don't have to do, you know, the nine to five type of job and you can freelance when you need to. Yep.
1: Yeah, That's... it's mostly like it's definitely it's mostly supported by the Fireship Pro membership. Yeah.
0: Um
1: so yeah, YouTube on its, on its own wouldn't be enough to like be doing this full time. Right.
0: Um, I, think, so I think people don't realize uh, the YouTube game, you have to have many millions of uh, subscribers to make that work. Right, yeah. Which you're getting to. That's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you need to, yeah, you need to be hitting like at least hundreds of thousands, if not like close to a million views per video and doing one of those at least like a few times a month to even make it like a decent income.
0: For sure. So I think um, kind of leading into it's, it's more of maybe my question in my interest, uh, but the, the GDE side of things, were you basically approached because you put out so much Firebase Angular content that Google's like, we have to make this guy a GDE, like everyone's going to his site? How did that look for you?
1: Yeah, I, I know I have
0: your YouTube video, I'll put it in the show notes too of how to become a GDE. So.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was pretty much how it happened. Uh, David East, who, was, who works at Google, he's a developer advocate for Firebase, um, was the person who nominated me. And he's got a bunch of awesome YouTube videos out there that I sort of was kind of following in his footsteps. Um, and he still makes videos for the Firebase channel as well, but just not not quite as often. Um, he was the one that nominated me and they were kind of getting my feedback on different things for Angular Fire and stuff like that. So we it was just kind of a natural connection based on the the content I was making.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Do you find um, the GDE program to have opened other doors for you at this point?
1: Um, It's opened some doors. Like it's been really good for networking. Uh, They do a GDE summit in San Francisco every year, which I go to. And there's a lot of you know, smart, very talented people there to meet. Um, so that's been good. I, I don't utilize it as much as I could. Like one thing a lot of people do is they do public speaking and they'll travel around and Google will pay for you to go to these talks. Um, so that's a very valuable thing as part of the GDE program.
0: I don't know of a, a conference you've spoke at, is that kind of not not your niche as much as, as kind of doing the tutorials online and staying behind the curtains a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's not, like, especially at this point, it's not, like, for the amount of work that goes into a talk, like, it wouldn't be very big of an impact for me to, to like, spend all that time making this talk and then giving the talk, like, it wouldn't reach enough people compared to the amount of people I can reach on YouTube.
0: Sure, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Um, But that being said, I mean, I, I should take advantage of that more. if I. (laughs) It's it's hard.
0: hard. I mean, speaking is definitely, it's a skill on its own. I just finished up a uh, influence for speaking through my work for, through my day job. And uh, it's, it's a process. Like I'm learning how, uh, how many pitfalls there are and how much work I need to do. (laughs) It's tough.
1: Yeah. It's a lot different speaking in front of a crowd too. I mean, you have like the nerves that go along with that and, you know, you have to perform all in one stretch. It's not like YouTube where you can cut out every single segment and make it perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know you have built up an awesome community, um, basically on your Slack channel and through Fireship. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the shift from Angular Firebase over to Fireship? Was that just um, you knowing that uh, you wanted to focus on more things than Angular, or what? What kind of made that happen?
1: Yeah, for me, it was mostly a creative thing, just being able to like branch out to other things that weren't specifically about Angular and Firebase. Um, It's kind of difficult because like, you want to focus on a niche. If you like really want to create content professionally, like you should focus and be the best at that particular niche. But um, at the same time, it's it's hard to like keep that creative energy going if you're focused on the same thing all the time. Yeah, that's Um, true. So for me I want to focus on other things like Flutter and different like just more generic like Node.js back end and front end stuff. Um so am yeah.
0: That was that was gonna kind of lead into my next question. Do you think um is gonna continue to grow as fast as it has? Um with I know there's always talk of Google's next operating system and where Flutter fits into that. Do you see that kind of growing like crazy, like it has been?
1: Um I do. I definitely see Flutter being very solid in the future. I think like a lot of new tech, it kind of goes, like, peaks way up and then goes through the trough of disillusionment, <laughs> as they call it, and then it goes into, like, the, the plateau of right. probability or whatever they call it. Yep. Uh, so I think Flutter saw, like, a ton of hype last year, and it's definitely a very awesome tool, and I think it'll continue to be big, like, kind of rivaling React Native for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah I was kind of surprised the way they attempted or are still working on creating the web versions out of flutter. Um I thought they'd deal with that more like uh I guess how how react or like how ionic with components it was handling that but it seems like um they're almost painting like a a canvas on a web page. It's like whoa that's yeah. not quite web what what just happened. Yeah. Have you uh have you had time to spend anything any time with it
1: i spent a little bit of time with it and like the very early beta i haven't messed with it in a few months so i it may have been approved, but i think you know it's definitely kind of underwhelming like especially if you just look at it from an end user's perspective um like when you go to a flutter app on mobile it's awesome yep. but the flutter web apps were like kind of laggy and weird looking they didn't look you know as crisp as like a normal web app
0: right yeah, it'll be interesting if they they change kind of the render engine or something to to spit out actual web code that looks nice.
1: Well, it's kind of like beyond my pay grade, but I think the cool way to do it would be like Blazor does it. Um, if yeah, you're familiar with that. It's like a you can build web apps with C sharp, and it what it does is compile the web assembly. So you have uh, you know, instead of running like vanilla JavaScript, you have this web assembly bundle running your code.
0: Yeah, it's if you funny want to do
1: something like that. I think it could really work.
0: For the web everyone at work there they used to be more.net um core we're, we're a consulting agency but um the the blazer talk around the shop let's just say it's bananas like they're all so geeked about it so uh yeah, I can see that
1: being a big deal especially if you if you know c-sharp well
0: yeah um i i had Guillermo uh, Rauchan who wrote uh NestJS and founded Zeit. um he was talking about we got into a discussion about WebAssembly and kind of the future of it. And will we all be kind of heading that way in five, 10 years? Um, I'm kind of curious where that, where that'll end up, especially with apps like Figma coming out. Um, so we'll see.
1: Yeah. I think there's definitely a lot of potential. Like I would love to be able to use like my video editing tools in a web browser. Like I think yeah. that would be amazing. And it should be possible. I would think in the future of WebAssembly.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like this tool we're using right now with StreamYard, to be able to take that and just start editing right live without having to go into uh, uh, Photoshop or Photoshop uh, <laughs> Premiere Pro or anything like that, um, right. it would be a game changer for sure. Yeah. Um, not to dive too far back, but um, the Angular side of things, we have a, a big release release that came out angular nine ivy um for those who don't know why they named it ivy it's the the fourth generation so it's actually i and v normal uh, roman numerals but everyone keeps calling it ivy do you think that's a big game changer do you think like oh this just works and sets us up for the future a little better
1: i think it's uh like i'm glad i'm glad it's finally here and uh, like I'm glad they took a long time to make sure they got everything right. Like I updated Fireship and it saved a decent amount of the bundle size from that from that app. And it like made the build times a lot faster, which was nice. Um, as far as like a game changer, like changing the direction of Angular, I don't think it's yeah. gonna do much. Like Angular is very mature and solid. Like it's just gonna continue to, I think be where it's at for the foreseeable future anyway.
0: Yeah. I had uh, Aaron on um, Aaron Frost for Scully and talking about that. And when we were talking about Angular 9, he mentioned like the kind of having that engine and the hooks that are in there. It's, it's kind of setting up the future for kind of what they're able to do um, with the engine going down the road. So I'm excited for the Angular team to kind of see what comes out of that next.
1: Yeah. That's always a big thing that was kind of lacking in, Angular two from the um, like from the early days is like you couldn't just use it with a script tag and it wasn't very like easy to use in a small like lightweight kind of modular way. So with that, yeah. it seems like we'll get more flexibility there
0: for sure. Um, so to dive into uh, a few picks here, um, my my first pick is your hundred seconds of code. Um, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen here and. Basically, what you're aiming for here is like a very quick way um, to approach like common problems. Is that is that kind of the appropriate way to say it, I guess?
1: It's more more so than being like a common problem. I would describe it as like something you should know that you might not like really understand very well. You can watch this and get a solid understanding of it just from watching that 100 second video. So it's probably not like something you're going to code along with, but something you'll like fully understand what that thing does that you've been hearing about.
0: Cool. It looks like I, uh, I had to reinstall my Mac, so I didn't give the right permissions for screen share at this time, but, uh, I'll definitely put that in the, uh, the links coming out the other side. Um, I'm loving the, the hundred seconds. I know it probably doesn't help your YouTube stats or whatever, but again, it's one of those easy resources I can go back to and be like, Oh yeah, Jeff talked about, uh, electron this week i'm gonna go check out that little snippet he had there so right <laughs> i'm digging
1: like the, the whole reason i started this series was because i was going on vacation and i wanted to like still be able to produce small chunks of content while i was away um, but like it, the feedback has been amazing people want to see more of them so i'm definitely going to be creating more going forward
0: cool um and i know you have a, a pick of your own do you want to talk a minute about that
1: um Yeah. So just a a site I've been using, like, if you watch my videos, you may see a lot of like PNG graphics that have the background cut out. Um, so if you wonder how I do that, there's actually a machine learning app called remove.bg. Um, and this is a web app you can upload your files there and it'll use machine learning to like remove the background from the image, no matter what that image is. And it's like, you know, super effective. Um, so it's just yeah. kind of a cool use case, practical use case for
0: machine learning. Yeah, it looks super cool. Um, I'll definitely put the link out there. And if I edit up this video correctly, I'll, I'll throw some images in of it too. It looks sweet.
1: Cool. Yeah, nice.
0: So very cool. So I have one last random thought, but I noticed you are uh, PADI certified. Are you still diving these days? Uh,
1: Not no, not too much. I talk about it all the time, but I haven't haven't been doing much diving. It's, I have two small kids, so it's like yeah. very hard to get out there and do stuff. We just went to Australia and I wish I could have gone diving at the Great Barrier Reef. I think I'll, I'll do that someday in the future, but. Uh, very
0: cool. Yeah. We'll definitely have to hook up some time, go uh, diving. I only dive down in the warmth. So up here in Michigan, it's not even worth it in the inland lakes most of the time, but.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like even in California, it's the water is cold there. So.
0: Yeah, we're actually uh, planning a Australia trip 2021 to do the Great Barrier Reef, so I'm pretty pumped about that.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that'll be awesome.
0: Very cool. Uh, going to ng Um,
1: I don't think so. I, I don't know. If, I can't say for sure, but I'm, uh, I don't have anything lined up at this point.
0: Well, if I happen to uh, see you out there, if you happen to go, we're going to try to take uh, perfect.dev on the road, and I'd love to have you on there again.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I am going to uh Git Merge conference in oh, Los yeah. Angeles. That's actually on March 4th in a couple days. So,
0: Very cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear how that goes. Yeah. So maybe we can uh, line up that Q&A session for one of these again. This has been super fun.
1: Yeah, that sounds good to me.
0: Awesome, Jeff. Really All appreciate right. you coming on. Yep.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was good talking to you.
0: All right. Have a good week. See Take ya. care thanks again for watching perfect.dev we also host a podcast on perfect.dev this feeds out to itunes breaker google podcasts overcast.fm pocket casts radio public spotify and stitcher we hope to see you next time thanks for watching perfect.dev